Hello, you're listening to Making It Count, a podcast that provides practical financial advice for every stage of life with a twist. We're your hosts, Christina and Will. We aren't financial experts. We're just like you, aka trying not to stumble our way to financial success. That's where our money smart friends come into the equation. You see what I did there, Will? Yes. I guess we need to add a bad pun disclaimer to our show description. Well, as long as we add a reality TV spoiler disclaimer as well. I'm there for that. You'll want to stay tuned for fun guest interviews, discussions around money taboos, and apparently corny jokes and Real Housewives references. Mm -hmm. That is so perfectly us. So together, let's make make it it count. count. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Making It Count. Welcome, everybody. Will, as always, we have a really great topic today, and I'm so excited to get into it. Looking for the day that we have a bad topic. I know. We never have bad topics. We're always talking about the most relevant, important things. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about how to curb unhealthy money habits. And I obviously think being a co-host of this, that that is something we all struggle with a little bit. We all struggle with it in everybody in their different ways. And I just read the CNBC report that says a lot of Americans spend more than they could afford during the holiday season and that one third of shoppers added a thousand dollars in debt. Yeah, that might not sound like too much, but when you add an interest, you can see it's obviously a problem. Yes, definitely. So, all right, Will, you know this is the part where you have to share with me any of your unhealthy money habits. Come on, confess. Dish. Does a leopard have spots? (laughs) Like, yeah, obviously. But we talked about this in a previous episode that the New Year's resolution episode, Mm -hmm. even though I don't believe in New Year's resolutions, and I'll make that clear again, that... I want to spend more mindfully and spend more purposefully. So that actually has been something that we were working on and I am doing much better. I have been much less frivolous in the past few weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, does that mean you've been more frugal? Yes. Whoa, all right. My My little budgeting app has congratulated me on spending less. That's awesome. Good for you. It doesn't always feel good, but you know, that when you see the money, then you feel better. Right. And then when you see it accumulating and you get to use it for something really great, it'll feel good at the end. Yes, exactly. What about you, Christina? And you have to be honest because you're pretty good. I know you're good at finance. Like, I know you've got it together, but I feel like there's something deep down in your dungeon of secrets. Dungeon of secrets. Ooh, I love that you think I have a dungeon of secrets, first of all. I love that. The people who say they don't do. (laughs) I absolutely do. There's a Um, bunch of skeletons. My unhealthy money habit, and this is one I just can't, even with the third season of this podcast, I don't write down what I'm spending. So to me, I just spend it and I don't know where it's. It's the thing where we hear all of our experts say, like, you don't know where your money's going if you don't know where it's going. Like, I think if I wrote down everything I spent, I could really curb some of my spending. I just tried that and it is really hard to keep up. But there's apps for that, though, that will tell you where you're spending. I do the budgeting thing, but I think the point is it's sometimes the act of writing it down. It's kind of like taking a note, even though you'll. You know what's going on, but you write it down because writing it down is the act of like putting it to memory. Yeah. But I, oof, I tried that for like a day. <laughs> I think if I would pay attention more and I eat out a lot, especially when I'm at work, I don't like cooking or making food or any of that. Like I, I do it at a necessity. <gasps> oh, I eat out so lunch every day. I love eating out on the weekends. So I would say that might be, I just don't like making food. 
I am I've got you beat there because for How? the past like nine months of my life, I've been meal prepping for lunch. You've and been so good at that. That's true. Dinners, we've gotten better. And I canceled my little like HelloFresh thing. Well, not cancel it, but I'm skipping more weeks. So spending a little less on that, going to the grocery store, buying more. Good for you. I canceled Netflix because I wasn't using it. What? I realized I hadn't um, like Emily actually opened Paris. it. And like, and there's a couple people that are on my Netflix. So if you haven't figured it out, <laughs> it's going to be ending very soon. <laughs> well, watch Emily in Paris before it goes away because that one's really good. I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Okay. So <laughs> producer Lauren just like fainted when I said, is it? She was like, oh. I think Karina did too. So I can agree that we both have some many habits that we can work on, but that's why we have two terrific guests to help us identify the most common unhealthy money habits to give our listeners and the two of us some great tips to breaking them. That is right. So first we have returning season three guest, Karina Rodriguez Penalver. Karina, will you please introduce yourself to everyone? Yes, sir. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be back. My name is Karina Rodriguez. I am the youth ambassador for Addition Financial. And one of my main roles at Addition Financial is financial education. So I'm extremely excited to be here and talk about these important topics that I talk about with five-year-olds and 30-year-olds. So I'm very <laughs> excited to be here today. Thanks Not for having me. Not a lot of difference me. these days. <laughs> That's true. My kids have debit cards. So not much difference. <laughs> Karina, thank you so much for coming back. We love having you on the show. And our second guest is our first time guest, Dr. Elliot Jaffa. Will you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Elliot Jaffa. I'm a behavioral psychologist, actually a behavioral and marketing psychologist. And I'm out of the um, Washington, D.C. area. I live in Northern Virginia. And when you meet somebody for the first time in this area, the question is, what do you do? So I usually respond by saying, what do you need done? And after I get that chuckle, I usually say, what's your CEO, your boss, your supervisors, big person in your organization's biggest problems, two biggest problems? And usually boils down to two things. One is make the cash register ring, which is a marketing issue. Or I guess, let's see, the second one would be a people problem. So that's a training issue. So I guess you could say I'm in the... Uh, marketing and training business. <laughs> I love that. Well, we are going to start. Let's just kick it off. Will, are you good with that? You have the first question today. I have the today. first question. Thank so. you, producer Lauren. Uh -huh. <laughs> He's throwing some shade my Favoritism. way. Okay. All right. So since we, Will and I have already mentioned about overspending, let's just start there. So Dr. Jaffa, what are some signs to tell if you're overspending or impulse spending and what are the best ways to stop doing it? How do you know you're overspending is when you, you don't have enough money to pay your bills on time. And you don't, may not have enough money to cover all your bills each month. And you look at your credit card debt. If, you shouldn't have to pay interest because it's a function of your own behavior. And then there's the impulse spending. Now, let me ask you a question, Will. You're, a, you're an impulse guy. Is Starbucks one of your uh, haunts? I do like Starbucks, but I have to say I'm pretty good about it. I don't really because it's a time thing for me. I don't really have the time to stop at Starbucks on the way to work. So it for me, Starbucks has become like a luxury on the weekend. OK, so where's your impulse spending? Who's getting into your wallet the most? I have pinpointed it in budgeting through to entertainment because we live in Orlando and there's the theme parks. There's endless things to do. And just generally to and Christina said it, too. 
eating out used to be a big problem. We've tapered that down. But if anybody has realized eating out is way more expensive than it used to be. I mean, there's no, no cheap place. Right. I mean, you can walk into the, your local diner and two eggs and hash browns and a couple pieces of bacon. It's, it's 10 bucks. Yeah, your 401k is getting broken all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, no, the entertainment. And that's something that we're we're looking at canceling some passes. We're looking Good at for you, Will. Yeah, because you go to the theme park and you know, you know, I know I'm going to Epcot tomorrow. Drink around the world. Yes, and there sir. goes, you know, three thousand dollars. all of a sudden. <laughs> No. Uh... Well, with how much you drink. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey! Wow. Is that where my overspending bucket is? Anyway, is that you're buying things you may want, but don't really need. Exactly. So right. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Well, Will, you've got the next question. Yeah. So a byproduct of unhealthy spending habits, obviously, we've already mentioned it is debt. It can be unhealthy to carry debt and not having a plan to pay it down. So, Karina, what are some things people can do to get a handle on debt? Yeah, absolutely. This is something that I always highlight whenever I give presentations on credit scores is that your credit score is made up of a different couple different factors. But one of the main one is 30 percent of your credit score is how much you owe. So, you know, whether you owe a ton or you owe a little bit, that's going to positively or negatively impact your score in the long run. But I always do encourage when I'm in a in a setting where I'm speaking to someone who maybe wants to start paying off those debts to start with the higher interest rates, your credit cards that have the highest interest, because those are the ones that are eating you up with 70, 80 dollar charges, interest charges every single month. So I would start on the highest interest, not necessarily the highest balances, the ones that are just killing you with interest and start working your way down there. But also setting a plan that's manageable, but also realistic. Like if you know in your budget, you can't afford to pay $700 worth of debt every month, then make it realistic. And that way, when you start to reach those goals, you feel better about yourself. And it kind of encourages you and gives you that push to keep going. I like that. I like that. And it's smart to start with the highest interest first. Yeah, you're going to save the most money that way Mm -hmm. eventually. So, Karina, you talked about budgeting, that scary B word that I'm not really good at. So, Dr. Jaffa, can you please speak to how creating a household budget could be a part of a larger behavioral program to bring things under control a little bit better? This is probably going to be one of the most important things we talk about during our session. So we're going to talk about behavioral budgeting. So I want you to pick up a pen and a piece of paper right now and take notes. The key thing is, is to write down everything you buy. Now, I do this to this day. I've been doing it literally since I was a teenager or maybe since I started college. But the key thing is start with number one, where does your money go and come up with your categories. So if you mention food, that's a category subdivided into grocery stores and eating out. So you got the eating out, you got the grocery store. Next category might be anything to do with your car, gasoline, insurance, a license tags. That's another category. Where else do you spend your money? Anything to do with your home, your house. That's a category. Anything to do with health care and doctor appointments, anything medicine, things with your health. Then there's entertainment. So there's no one chart for everybody but develop your own. Now, what do you do with this? To this day, if I go into the grocery store and buy $50 or $20 or five bucks worth of groceries, literally 
I recommend you do it on paper and pencil. When you do it on your phone, you're going to forget things. And it's been my experience that people who I've worked with who have had many problems, I said, you, you know, oh, 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 I got this app on my phone. I says, fine, use it, and then come back to me, and we'll talk about it. And they say, you were right. I forgot to track where I'm spending my money. But even if you went in there to buy a pack of gum, come home and write that dollar thirty-five cents under the category of grocery, if that's where you bought it, or if you're going to call it entertainment, fine, put it under entertainment. But you want to write down every, everything you spend, and it's a step-by-step strategy. So, well, now this you're saying to yourself, this sounds like work. I don't have the time for this. Well, you're in trouble. You know, you're using the word unhealthy. This kind of behavior is like cancer. It's like something that's going to kill you because it's really going to change your style of living if you don't get it cleaned up. So the important thing is when you write this down, have fun with it and challenge yourself. Can I go today without buying an impulse item? Can I go to the mall and just shop with my eyes rather than my credit card? So turn it into a game for both yourself, your spouse, get your children involved. We can talk about that a little bit later. But you want to get the whole family into tracking where that money goes. So when you see where it goes, there's some subcategories of how to address it, which I think Karina did by choosing which credit card, which balance to address. But it's also the items that you buy. You just hit it on the nail on the head when you're talking about knowing where your money goes. And I think a big part of that has to do with saving because we've used the phrase on here on the podcast before of paying yourself first. And so let's talk about bad saving habits because that is a part of unhealthy money habits. We've talked about emergency funds as Christina knows, you know, I've started building mine up. But Karina, in your opinion, is it financially unhealthy not to have an emergency saving? Yeah, I would say so for sure. I think part of the reason why so many Americans are in debt is because for anything that comes up or pops up in life, they have to use a credit card. They have to get a loan for something because they don't have that emergency fund. So I think that greatly contributes to their debt at the end of the day. But yeah, I think it's super important to have that. And if anything, the pandemic has shown us the lack thereof of Americans having that savings account. But it's important because you never know what life is going to throw at you. It's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies. So it's important to start that up. And even if you don't have that, don't be discouraged. It's okay. You can start today. You can start tomorrow. And it can even be a small amount, whatever it is that you can afford. But creating those habits is what's going to set you up for a better financial future. And that's what I always tell the younger kids when I talk to them is, hey, these habits, even if it's 10 bucks, that you can afford to put away. It's the habit that you're creating in saving that way when you're 25, when you're 26, when you're 23, graduate college, you have that first job, you have that habit, the principle of saving. So yeah, I think it's very important. Or just setting it up so it automatically does it. I love that. Absolutely, out of sight, out of mind. Yep. Mm -hmm. So if anyone has listened to any episode of this podcast, you know how passionate Christina is about retirement. I know you just referred to yourself in third person. I, I did. That was pretty it. cool, right? I love it. I it gives like so an air of importance. 
Christina. So that is really important to me, especially considering how people are living longer and outliving their savings and how by the time we become Social Security eligible, those payments will probably be less than they are now. So Dr. Jaffa, we heard before the show that you actually hit your goal to retire from the traditional world by age 35. So how did you do that? And what are the steps you took to achieve that goal? Okay, let me give you the background. I'm cheap or I'm frugal. And if you call me that name, you're not insulting me. I take it as a compliment. Thank you. Me too. Because at age 21, I hired a financial mentor. Now, it's something 21-year-olds don't think about. But I met a person. He told me what he was going to do. And I said, well, I'd be able to retire at age 35. And he says, yeah, under three conditions. One, you're going to own a home, but you're not going to have a castle in Spain. Okay. Number two, you'll be able to drive any car you want, but those cars are not going to be Bentleys or Rolls Royces. I says, okay, that'll work. Number three, you'll be able to take two respectable vacations a year, but you're not going to be on a cruise ship sailing around the world 365 days a year. So I said, fine. So what he did was he put me in investments and he told me a story. He says, what you're doing is we're investing this money in the first trust. And he explained that to me. And he walked me through the steps, showed me how conservative and secure this type of investment was. Every paycheck that I got, you mentioned, Karina mentioned savings. It would go into the savings. It would go into the savings. And as soon as I had a bundle of money, I would send it to him to invest. At age, sure enough, by age 35, I do not have to walk out of the house again to a job. So since then, I've been doing what I want, when I want it, I want to do it. And it's been literally a free ride. But along the way, I'm with people and people say, let's do this. Let's go here. Let's go there. And I'd rather go home and cook a meal than spend X number of dollars eating out in the restaurant because I know it's going to come out the way I want it to come out. It's not that big a trade-off. So you're looking for how to make smart purchases. But the today's millennial and even the older adult who's 50 years older, get yourself a financial mentor. Get yourself a wealth manager. Now, wealth management companies, they want the person who has the $500,000 minimum to invest. Well, obviously, 99% of the people don't have that much to invest. It requires some thinking. It requires a little bit of reading and research. But get yourself that financial mentor who could put you in a better spot to buy that condo, buy that home, buy that new car when you need it. So Karina, this question's for you. One thing that I know a lot of people can do that leads to overspending or even less saving is when you get a job or a raise. That suddenly might entice you to have a little bit better lifestyle because you have some extra funds. What can you tell us about lifestyle inflation? Yeah, this is a good question because I'm not even going to lie. This has happened to me before personally. It's a little tempting when you get that extra boost in your salary to go get a new car, get a nicer purse or get something, a nicer computer or a cool MacBook or, you know, an iPad Pro like Will, you know, not all of us can have that. (laughs) 
But you're this tempted to do those things when you're this making a, a little bit more money. That still came out of my budget. I was going to say, I'm like, <laughs> there you go. what's his is yours and what's yours is his. So there it's still you your money. But he works for Apple. So discount. Oh, okay. And we okay. traded in an old MacBook that we didn't need. So, oh, so you got a credit. We got a credit. That's we good. got a discount. We okay, got a lot well. of things. This, you know, this came out to a lot cheaper. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. But it's very easy to want to do those things and to be tempted to do those things. And it's totally okay to treat yourself to splurge every once in a while there's nothing wrong with that but definitely something that I have learned personally and that I do personally in my own life in my own finances is even when I get a raise if I know that I can live off of the money that I was making before I try to keep it that way anyway and just increase my savings so that's something that I really do strive for every other Friday when we get paid I'm like oh that's nice but I just put it away that's great I do the same thing whenever we get if I am lucky enough to get a percentage increase, I always remove it, like part of it and just be like, okay, I'll make it so my raise wasn't as much, but it's just going straight. You're paying yourself first, like what right. Will was saying. Wait, you got I a love raise? that idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm making zero. <laughs> All right. Our last question leads us right into financial goals. So Dr. Jaffa, is it unhealthy not to have financial goals? Wait a minute, that's a double negative. (laughs) I just read what's on the paper. (laughs) Okay, Okay. you need financial goals. You need financial goals. Let me give you a a thing that's a must for you. Anything that you buy yearly, your auto insurance, your home insurance, your health care insurance, you know, anything where you write the check, you could pay by the month or you could pay by the year. Before your current policy expires, call them up, even your cable company or your, you know, entertainment medium, call them up and say, you know, I don't know if I could afford this anymore. Got to lie a little bit. If I cancel, do I call you at the beginning of the month or do I call you at the end of the month before? How do I do this? They're going to get scared. So I would do that with the, let's say the cable company with my insurance company. I do this every year. I call them up and say, Go with me step by step as to am I getting every possible discount available? You know, if you bundle your home and your car, you get a discount. If you pay once a year rather than monthly, you get a discount. Well, lo and behold, the first time I did this, which was years ago, I got a $69 discount that if I didn't open my mouth and ask, I would never have known. And then I found out that I could do it with my health insurance and I could do it with other things. So that's a good lesson to yearly look at when it's about to expire and work that in but you definitely need a financial strategy you need finance is the most important part of your day we think about money constantly and those who don't find themselves um tuning into this webinar or this podcast and the important thing is is that like karina was saying Put that money aside. Whenever you you know don't think you need it, get it into a bank until you could turn it over to your wealth manager to put it to work faster for you. But make that money work for you. Don't you work for your money. You do that when you go to the office. But when it comes to savings, make your money work for you. Well, you have both given us some great information and tips to break unhealthy financial habits. I think it's time for our rapid fire round, Christina. Mm, I can't wait. We call this our making it count essentials. And Christina, apparently you get get to start this too. I get to start again. I told you I'm on Lauren's good list. Lauren gave me an A. 
right, Lauren? Lauren, uh, she's she's not agreeing with in me. What? I don't know. In being amazing, uh, a for a. Okay, no. All right, Karina, you get the first question. So, if you had to recommend one thing for people to get on the right track financially, what would that one thing be? One hundred percent making a budget, and I really do mean that. Making a budget was what transformed my finances. Maybe like five years ago. And sticking to it, not just making a budget for fun and wasting 30 minutes of your life to never look at it again, actually sticking to it. Also, when you get paid on those Fridays or whenever you get paid, knowing where your money is going is key. It's sometimes it like mind boggling a little bit to me, knowing that there's people out there that just hope that they can make like whatever payment they need to make instead of knowing exactly what they need to do in order to make that payment. So making a budget is super important. Sticking to it because making a budget is going to reveal how much we do waste our money on things that we shouldn't. So making a budget 100% is key. All right, Dr. Jaffa, what's one unhealthy financial habit we haven't talked about that you think is important? I think we covered a lot of them because anytime you get a receipt, anytime you purchase something, or even before that, ask yourself that question, do I want this or do we need it? Need is important, want not so much. But you have to actually talk to yourself out loud. People standing around you think you're nuts. That's okay, too. But it's your money, not theirs. Say to yourself, before you get to that cash register, do I need this or do I just want it? And put it back on the shelf if you just want it. But the important thing is, is control that impulse buying. And when they ask you, would you like a receipt, say yes. So you take that piece of paper home. You're going to transfer it to your written budget system, whatever category it's going to go under, and review that and see how much you're saving or what do we need to work on next week or next month. All right, Karina, it's time for a fun question. What is your earliest childhood lesson that you learned about money? I've said this before on uh, making it count, but growing up with it was four of us in our family. We learned quickly that money didn't grow on trees and that our parents had to do what they had to do to budget to feed all of us growing at the same time. And my brother would eat for like 15 <laughs> people. So, yeah, money doesn't grow on trees and you have to work hard for what you want. All right. Karina, how can people help curb their impulse spending if that's their problem? Yeah, this is definitely something that I used to struggle with a lot. I do like to shop for clothes and things like that. But definitely as of recent, anytime I go to a store, if I'm not absolutely in need of the item, whatever it may be, electronic, a car, clothes, whatever you name it, whatever is your poison, if you're not absolutely in the need of it, you're totally okay. You'll be fine if you go home without it empty handed. Another thing that I do actually do is if I just want to like shop online, I'll just kind of go through some websites that I like. I'll make a cart and I'll exit out of the thing. I never actually buy anything and I think it's good. I just kind of leave it there. And the same with the stores. I just dip out before I make a mistake. Marketing tip. <clears throat> uh oh, here we go. It doesn't work on every website, but a lot of websites, especially like these Instagram stores that are like not stores, oh, but you know leave, what I'm talking they'll about. They'll send you a coupon code. Leave it in the cart. Yeah. You have to be signed in typically because they don't have your email automatically unless you've signed in through Google or something. But if you've already signed into an account, like it's a place you've already purchased from previously, add it to your cart, let it sit overnight. You will get an email inevitably at least 10% off. Mm -hmm. They want you to buy really? the item. They'll Every offer you time. something. So leave they're it like, there. Hey, we noticed you left something in the cart. Here's a little da da da. -da. They wow. want you to purchase it. Yeah, they're on it. Yeah. So 
that's if you are going to buy it and you need to buy it and you're not impulse buying key you'll get rewarded for not impulse buying there you go you're learning things from me (laughs) that's a great tip you're welcome all right so last one dr jaffa it's time for your fun question can you give us examples of the good bad and the ugly when it comes to spending oh man kill me well yeah okay let's start with the ugly (laughs) anytime you buy something that you don't need anytime you buy something in a major purchase that you didn't do your homework and research, you're wasting money. If you haven't paid off a bill or you are having problems at that end of the month, I could tell you, you didn't do what I said to do. You know, I'm not coming to your house, I promise. But you gotta do this stuff, that's the good. You follow the strategy, you're gonna get results. I mean, you heard good things from me, you heard good things from Karina, Will, you even heard a couple good things from him. (laughs) Don't give him that much credit. Pretty incredible, honestly. Well, that last one was really good. I like that. But the bad is if you take no action. So it goes from following the strategy, if you take no action, and if you are wasting money and you realize and you look yourself in the mirror, that's the ugly. No cream is going to clean that, make that mirror reflect anything different. Well, thank you both so much. That was super helpful. I learned a lot. And I think our our listeners did too, Christina. I think they did too. Now it's time to give our guests the opportunity to plug themselves and let you know how you can get in touch with them online. So Karina, you're up first. Awesome. You guys can find me on additionify.com. If you guys click on the financial education tab, you can kind of get to know a little bit of our resources that we offer. We can even come to your classroom, to your organization and present on whatever topic that you may need. You can find me at my email. I'll just have them link it because it's very long (laughs) or on LinkedIn, just Karina Rodriguez. All right. And Dr. Jaffa, it's your turn. Where can our listeners find you online? Go to LinkedIn. Put my name in there. And we're on the page about, A-B-O-U-T, the about page where you find where you went to school and your work experience, you'll, you'll find something totally different that'll blow your mind. As a matter of fact, I get calls, a couple of calls every month telling me, I've never seen something this amazing. That you're, you, you gotta be a really cool person, which makes me feel good. So that's why I do it. But my forte is producing results for companies, organizations, and that's generating revenues. And there's three things that I specialize in. One is an in-house marketing audit. That's to make the cash register ring louder. Something called omni-channelization. You can Google that word, omni-channelization. It's doing what Amazon can't do. So that's got your attention. And lastly, business intelligence. So those are the things that I work with in terms of uh, companies and organizations. If I could be of help, you got to find me first. Well, now we're all going to your LinkedIn to find out what we need to. You left us with a little teaser there, Dr. Jaffa. Thank you. (laughs) That's what I was supposed to do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you. All right, Christina, it's time for our favorite segment. What What did did we we learn learn today? today? All right, I'll go first. I learned that I know more about saving money than you. I'm kidding. No, I think for me, I learned the importance of tracking. And I think, you know, Dr. Jaffa is very firm in his way of writing things down. I think that's an excellent way, especially for like somebody who's just starting to track. But, you know, also there's just the idea of like, pay attention to your statements, like that whole thing. So I think just actually taking the time to track and review your spending is 
super important because you're going to sit back at the end of the month and go, holy cow, how much did I actually spend at Lululemon? And then, you know. I do not want to see how much you spend at Lululemon. I think that would give me a stomach ache. I haven't spent that much lately. Okay. Well, because you say they last longer. So the there's clothes, no need seriously, to. Seriously, that is that is the only thing I'm going to say is it's expensive, but I have nothing that has lasted less than like four years. Nice. So you get your investment out of it. So I learned a couple of things and I love having Karina on the show. And every time she's on the show, she talks about budgets. One of these days, I'm going to do it. I promise. And she's going to hold me accountable. And I know she will. So I got to get on the budget thing because I don't, I have like, so many subscriptions all over the place. You kind of lose track of like, I also have Disney Plus and then Netflix and I borrow Hulu from this person. And like, you just like lose track of all these little things that really add up to a lot. And we still have cable. So yeah, I need to do that. I need to see where my money is going. Well, at the end of every episode, we like to leave our listeners with a resource to help them make it count in the real world. Christina, Actually, I think we're going to say this one together. So okay. why don't we tell our listeners what we have for them? I would love to. Okay, ready? Addition, Addition Financial's Best Financial Advice, advice all, all on one page. page. Ta-da! I love that one. That's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. They distill all of the great nuggets of information from the financial blog into one easy download. And you can print it and or save it as a PDF super helpful. As always, producer Lauren has put the link to that in the show notes. And thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you next time on Making It Count. And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. If you learned something new, were inspired to reach your financial goals, or just found us entertaining, please subscribe, share, or rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. And don't worry, we'll be back soon with another new episode of Making Making It Count. Count.